And we're back. Bitches don't know how to act. We the Mac, VIP, in the back with a stack of numbers. Baby, take my order. We ought to get them smarter. Like they know no better. Coming in with energy today. Shout out to Ice Cube. Uh, we be clubbing. I wish I had a second camera set up so I can... The production value is, you know, minimal. Maybe that's what you like about the show. Welcome to the show. This is the Goodwin Podcast. I'm Nico. Feeling pretty good today. So I wanted to share. I usually shoot every other day a podcast, but feeling good today. And uh, and I'm, I'm not taking my advice. I'm getting high off of accomplishments, which are fleeting. And the high, as we all know... Um, is bound to an equal and opposite low. So uh, maybe I'll just try to stay up. Never come down. Yeah, the idea is to, to stay up. And self-esteem is what I want to talk about today. Because I genuinely think there's nothing better that you can do for your own life And therefore, the relationships in your life, and therefore, the people in your life, then building your own self-esteem, building your own sense of worth and value. And I think people are afraid of building self-esteem, building their self-esteem. And that's because if it's taken too far, and I don't don't think it's genuine self-esteem, what I'm about to say, but... The idea is when it's taken too far, there's the idea of narcissism and there's the idea of um, like a superiority complex. But I'd argue that's not genuine self-esteem. Building your self-esteem and your self-worth, your self-value, it's just been so important, such an important journey and practice for me. I, you know, like... The audacity that one has to have to share like this, and that is my intention, to share. Um, You choose what you extract from this. If you want to learn something, if you just want to entertain yourself, maybe maybe I could be funny sometimes. Um, That's up to you. But by sharing these things that I learn... You know, it could very easily, my mind can go, well, who am I to share these things? Who am I to make a podcast? Um, and that doubt is a perfect time to practice building my self-worth and self-esteem and change the language in my head. Um, it's akin to like, because there's very there's real very real criticism of like you know people being life coaches who don't seem to have their life together. And again, this is not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to document for myself. Um, I'm trying to share. And yeah, I, if we go through the full spectrum of why I'm doing this podcast, it includes egoic things as well: being seen, um, being respected. Uh, notoriety, um, 
micro levels of fame, uh, etc. Maybe having a, a business eventually. This is a this would be self sustaining, and then having a business that uh, this could be my job full time because I seem to like it. And that's the other end of the spectrum is enjoyment, sharing, documenting. Um, I have this idea of like great great grandchildren. Uh, if the world hasn't ended by then, uh, they would be able to look back and see their great great grandfather. Uh, the ideas that would probably be some of them will be archaic by that point, but they would be able to see what I was working with, the mind space, and overcoming that. Um, well, who am I? Which is kind of the root of self-esteem, right? The criticism of others, uh, the doubt is the destroyer of self-esteem. Um, so I have to find ways to build it back up and to maybe not eliminate doubt. That would be maybe the wrong approach, but to reframe, reframe doubt, um, as a motivator or, uh, as a, a tool to give a better product or to be more precise or, um, just care more. I think the, I think a parent's job, and this is not as a parent, but as someone who has parents and who knows parents, I think the most important thing they can do for their child is build their sense of self-esteem and self-worth because someone who has self high self-esteem is less likely to be taken advantage of. Someone who has high self-esteem can put up healthy boundaries and knows what they want to attract in their life and probably knows what doesn't feel good, doesn't serve them. They can uh, attract a more ideal partner, a more ideal group of friends. And this is kind of getting into some of the the practical side of self-esteem. I think someone with high self-esteem may likely have a better relationship with substances, drugs, alcohol, the, the myriad, food, sleep. I think they're less likely to be nihilistic. Um maybe not overly optimistic in the, in, and non-realistic, but um, have an optimistic overview and maybe a little bit of pessimism and uh, refrain up front and the micro level. And that's kind of how I'm operating out of these days is on the great, the most macro level, I'm optimistic, meaning... I don't think this reality is all it, all that there is. And I believe in there's there's a level of ascension or I believe in love um, on the macro level. But on the micro level, um, I've kind of learned a little bit of healthy skepticism, healthy pessimism, and maybe at best realism. You know, a little bit of dirt, a little bit of clouds, as Gary Vee would say. So how does one build self-worth? Um, a few of these practices I'm going to share come from Brian Tracy, who had a, I had his CDs. It was a book on, on CD. 
uh, called The Psychology of Achievement. And some of those, I listened to them like four times in a row at a certain stage and a, a few of them stuck with me. And one's a very simple exercise. I just made a TikTok about this, but this the exercise is, is so simple. And the reason like there's a hesitation now is because that which is easy to do can be easy not to do. So just because something's simple uh, doesn't mean it's effective because what's effective is what you'll actually do. What's effective is what I'll actually practice or do. But this one is easy because it's in your head and you can do it anywhere. So I've done it in a sauna. I've done it on a train, in the car, driving. It doesn't it doesn't take away too much attention. Maybe focusing more, not driving might be a better place to go. You can do it in the shower. You can do it in bed. And the exercise is simple as heck. It is breathing, conscious breathing, inhales, exhales, paired with a very simple mantra. Inhale, I love myself. <sighs> exhale. And on the exhale, maybe I'll count if I'm going to do like a set of 25, 10, 20, 30, or maybe... Um, I'm not counting and I'm just doing it based on feeling and uh, I'll say thank you on the exhale and lose count, lose track of time. Maybe you can set a timer too. Inhale, I love myself. Exhale, thank you. Inhale, maybe I like myself. And I don't want it to get twisted here. There is an element of faking it till you make it here where I don't fully believe myself every time I say I love myself. I think this practice is really good for when I'm down in the dumps. Um, and that's when I've been using it, um, during chemotherapy or just when I'm in a certain headspace. And so I don't believe it, you know, I'll inhale. I love myself. Thank you. But there are times that I believe it. And I think the culmination of trying, of putting effort into this simple practice, of just saying I love myself to, to myself as many times as possible, eventually the practice validates itself. And I do believe it. And then it's worth it. So... Simple, simple practice. I like myself or I love myself. That's the mantra. It's a mantra practice. And number two, and I didn't write these down. I, I keep looking down like I have something here. I don't. Number two is, is surrounding yourself with people that actually value you. And furthermore putting up a boundary for those who don't appreciate you or, or, you know, pick on you. If you're the one in your group, and this is so important, for, like my high school experience, I wish I took this advice. It's, I have some friends I've, I've maintained from high school and the relationship is good. And, and it's, it's persisted because there's been mutual respect and, and building each other up showing up for each other. 
And, um, but the overall scene of my high school experience was feeling like I didn't belong. Now, this is like chicken or the egg. If I had the self-esteem established, I probably would have attracted different people. I probably would have had the confidence to feel like I belonged. And therefore, people would be less likely to make me feel like I didn't. Um, So cultivating that self-esteem on the front end would have been probably helpful for me. But if I come in with with the low self-esteem and then I surround myself with people who kind of capitalize on that easy target, someone with low self-esteem, like bullies pick on easy targets typically, then it would have behooved me to kind of break that cycle. And I did a few times. Like I had like four best friends throughout high school and I kind of had to part with two of them early on because they just started going harder into the drug game than I was willing to go. And uh, me not wanting to participate in the, in the drugs that they were doing um, prescriptions. Uh, I didn't even like smoking cannabis. It was such a trip for me early on. And it kind of scared me. So it scared me out of smoking for, for years after like early high school and me not participating, both, you know, they didn't really want to hang out with me because they wanted to do their thing. And, and I didn't want to really want to hang out with them. So those boundaries were kind of established. Um, but yeah, the ability to cultivate that self-esteem as early as possible may have helped me, but it also may not have brought me where I am today. So is there really a rush? You know, maybe not. I forgot what I was going to say. So surrounding yourself with, with people that can validate you, you know, at least sometimes maybe, you know, it's not to get rid of play completely. Because there is a, a shadow side to this where people who value themselves so much, like their boundaries can be too thick and play can get shut down. You can, like, you can lose your childlike play, your childlike wonder if you start taking yourself seriously. I don't want to confuse self-esteem with taking yourself seriously. I want to picture self-esteem as someone, as, as, you know, taking taking myself lightly, playfully, with humor, kindness, uh, generosity, um, you know, all those, all the good words, uh, and all the, um, all the relationship building uh, things. Because I think the evidence of a high self esteem is someone who can be kind and empathetic, and um, and not like the bourgeoisie, you know not upper class it's not self-esteem isn't bound to the material goods the material the things that it's just so easy to tie into like the caste system or into hierarchy i'm referring to that internal self-esteem where you have a confidence to present yourself as you are without needing to hide behind you know luxury items 
um, etc. Things that'll pass without needing to hide behind uh, a perfect physique. Um, so that's that's the second one. The first one was a little exercise. The I like myself, I love myself exercise. Eventually, it validates itself. Second is being able to surround yourself with people that value you, uh, that reciprocate, um, and being able to put up boundaries for those who aren't able to validate and aren't able to reciprocate. And number three is another practical one, um, and that is saying what you mean and doing what you say. And this one's so important because when you do this, you start to trust yourself and you start to trust how you'll interact with people and then they can, and they can start trusting you as well. And that just builds into, so it's like a, it's like momentum going upwards. So the more that I, I do what I say, say what I mean, the more someone can start, you know, then trust is built. Trust is the is difficult to build and very easy to lose. So building up the trust by showing up when you say you are uh, and by saying what you mean is huge. And early on when I like when I started to understand this concept like it would give me a little bit of hesitation to make any plans because I wanted to make sure that I would follow through. But this wasn't exactly perfect either. What what it means now, what I've adapted it to mean is like, I say what I mean in the time and I do what I say. Now, if I make plans in for a week from now, two weeks from now, and I say I'm going to do it and something changes, it doesn't mean I, like, like things come up. But instead of maybe just not showing up to the event or just kind of ghosting someone, I'll report to the person I committed to that I can no longer fulfill what I said as soon as possible. And that's, that's the same kind of integrity as, as doing, you know, as, as doing what you say, what you say, it can change. Um, but your ability to speak that change uh, so that others can adapt to that. That'll maintain the trust that you have between each other. And, uh, one more that's coming to mind, um, is it's, it's kind of a lame one. So I want to spice it up, but we'll see what happens is, is, is like doing your, doing my best. And what comes to mind is jujitsu right now. And part of the reason I'm high today is because I had a good jiu-jitsu day. And part of the reason I'm starting to have a lot, some good, good jiu-jitsu days in a row is because when I'm afraid to lose, sometimes I won't try. And that is lame. Like, sure, when I try my hardest and I still lose, it could hurt temporarily. But on the overall, it actually brings me up. Like, 
there there has to be a point in your life where you overcome the fear of failure. I mean, it's cliche as fuck, but it's just it's just keeps ringing true. Like now with my current understanding, I'd rather try and fail um, than play possum or make myself small so that I can always say, well, you know, I wasn't trying my best. So I can like, so I can feed my delusion that like to keep with the, the athletics metaphor is like, yeah, well, if I was really trying, I would have caught him. And there's just like no room for that anymore. Like the ability to overcome cancer, to survive cancer, and now my ability to overcome a fight. Like today we did a King of the Hill thing where I got put in the I got put in the center and the five guys kind of lined up and we basically slapped in tournament style. And whoever wins, submission only, whoever wins stays in. And I stayed in four times in a row. So I beat everyone except for one person. Um, And there was a few matches where it's certainly easy. I'm staying in. They're all rested. So like there's every excuse to give up. And I eventually did kind of give up. I kind of tapped to like a weak heel hook, which is when someone attacks your uh, ankle and knee. And... So eventually I did still give up. So I still have like room to like, to go like to the, the will to, I'm still cultivating the will to win and the will to survive. But, um, where I am now compared to where I was before, I suppose, um, I'm much tougher or I have much more, uh, resilience or ability to overcome. And, uh, it wouldn't have been possible unless I, I de- like, I made the commitment to actually try my best and to fail more times than, than not. So, so those are the four things that come to come to mind for building self esteem and instilling self esteem in others. Um, the simplest and most profound thing is seems to be, uh, listening to them. And there's a few practical, I guess, tips or I don't want to say tricks um, so that someone feels heard. And I'll just go over them briefly. And that's one is when someone says something, taking a pause before responding. This one is like if you don't take any other tips or tricks, this is the one. Taking a pause after someone says something it shows them that you're not just waiting to speak. It shows them that you're absorbing what they said. And even if I'm, I'm, sometimes I fake it, sometimes I know this is a trick and that's why I say it's a trick is like, they'll say something and I'll pause to three and I'll even be counting in my head, not necessarily absorbing, knowing what I'm going to say. But again, sometimes the practice makes itself authentic and it becomes validated again. It makes them feel heard it makes them seem it makes it seem like you're absorbing but it also gives you time to speak to know where you're speaking from so if i'm in a conversation it's just bang 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 and there will be like in a group of people there'll be sometimes that this tactic i won't say anything because 
there's not even a two second pause from when one person stops till another person responds, then the other person, then another person, another person responds. And so I'll just spend that time listening. And, and that's actually not, I'm kind of comfortable there too, because it's kind of nice to be able to observe people, um, in conversation without necessarily having to participate. And if there, and when it does arise that there is something I feel like I need to share or say, then I can not adhere to the rule of waiting two or three seconds to respond. I can piggyback off of the, off the last person's or even talk over them, which sometimes happens. I come from an Italian family where if you're not telling us, like if you don't, if you're not telling a story well, someone else is going to tell the story for you. Like you'll get replaced. So it's being able to take a pause when someone says something to you is huge. And another one to show people that you're listening is if you're able to, if you're unclear of what they said, or maybe unclear of what to say, if you're able to reiterate what they said to you back to them, like even just repeating it, maybe in a different way in your version of, or how you understand it, if you're able to repeat it back to them, that's a good way to, that, that they, that they can feel heard. Um, Oh, and finally, if you completely don't understand and maybe you weren't listening the best, so you're kind of taking what they say, not how they mean it. Asking, how do you mean? So if someone says something to me, and maybe it sounds critical, and maybe it is, maybe it's not though. If it sounds critical or it, it triggers me, if I can go, wait, how did you mean that? And then they can like double down because if it's passive aggressive, now it forces them to be forthright. Um, so they can't be passive aggressive anymore. They have to be clear with their aggression. Um, so that's, that's another advantage to it, but it also gives them a chance to explain themselves if they weren't being aggressive, if they were just sharing something and I maybe took it the wrong way. Asking, how do you, how did you mean that? So that's kind of how I, that's like my strategy to build self-esteem in others is, is through listening. And of course, like this isn't going over basics, like not calling people, not diminishing other people's accomplishments, like being able to celebrate other people's success. That's a good way to build people's self-esteem, the people around you. Um, not bullying them, not um, poking them in both eyes at the same time. Um, you know, not tripping them, not tying their shoes together when they're sitting down and when they get up, they fall. Um, and then not, you know, not setting up a like thumbtacks next to their bed. So when they wake up, they step on. Th These are all just little things and the list goes on. Okay. So I'm going to answer some TikTok comments, which I, I truly love. And I think I'm going to do three to five. We'll see where we're going. I haven't planned any of these. So I'm just going to dive into a, a video that kind of, that kind of did well. Things I, wish I knew. Things I wish I knew before I was 30 part 19. I haven't reviewed any of these comments yet. 
So they could be, who knows? Who knows what this is going to go? So the concept of things I wish I knew before I was 30, part 19, is if you have one to four people in your life that you can count on, you're fortunate. And basically, um, I used to think that having a lot of friends was was uh, important to me. Um, and of course, it's a nice thing. Uh, but the amount of people that I considered friends to get my my number higher compared to the amount of people that I can actually count on was where there was a huge discrepancy. So I would feel like I had a bunch of friends. Uh, and yet when I needed someone, maybe one or two would show up. Maybe. And, and that would make me fortunate. That's what I'm saying. All right, here we go. Uh, Miss Otati, Mrs. Otati said, I've always said four quarters is better than a hundred pennies. Yeah. Just like a, that's a well, that's a good synopsis of what, of what I was trying to say. I'm 26 and have the same group of friends from high school. We all genuinely care about each other. The older I get, the more grateful that, you know, uh, that I, that I realize that I am good. That's amazing. I see I haven't been able to do that. I haven't been able to cultivate. I have some longstanding relationships. I, I, and I do have people I can count on. Um, I'm in that two to four range. There's, there are some relationships that I have where people now have families and they have to put those first, you know, instead of putting me first. And that's, that's just how it's going. I'm looking for a question mark. Because uh, a lot of people are kind of just reiterating the same response uh, in their own unique way, which is great. Like, let go of expectations, create boundaries, and be grateful for any and all connections. Expectation is the root of all heartache, William Shakespeare. Ooh, boo, chu said that. Not a lot of question marks. I'm 21 and I can confidently say I only have one person that'll actually go out of their way for me. Then that makes you fortunate because having even one person is not guaranteed because no one owes you anything. Who hurts you, fam? <sighs> like mostly myself, mostly the expectations that I've created for others that they were just unable to uh, fulfill. And therefore I... I, I was hurt. And, and most people are just, you know, being really nice. There's 300 comments here. And, um, and most people there, they like share their age and they, they tell me how they're going through something similar and that's super validating. And that's why I love making these videos. Here's a question mark. Bosley chop. Why can't we all just try to be better people? Why can't we all just try to be better people? Oh, I, I think most people are and trying to be better. And you don't, it doesn't, it's not illogic, illogical to think that. Like, if I feel better about myself, then my life improves. 
It's a selfish closed circle. It like behooves me. It's advantageous for me to feel better about myself. So I, 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 I think people are trying that. And I think most people are because most people want to feel better about themselves. Most people want to increase their happiness and joy. I mean, especially millennials where our barometer for success seems to be more aligned with happiness and um, less aligned with like previous values passed down on us. So I would challenge you in the, in the, in the sense that I just think people are trying their best. Um, and they are trying to improve. And then th- that brings me to the philosophical question, what is better, you know? Like, there's like a philosophical like paradox is, is I'm a brand new person right now. I'm, I'm different than I've ever been in the past and I'm not the same as I'll ever be in the future. So is there anything that I can compare myself to? Like there is no form of better because there's no form of comparison that actually exists. That holds up philosophically. Now, realistically, like I feel like I've gotten better at things I've practiced. I, I can play a song on the guitar, whereas when I picked it up, that was not possible. I, that seems to be better. That seems to be proof of better. Uh, I've earned a blue belt in jujitsu um, and I'm able to uh, win more matches than I was before. Like that seems to be proof of like effort over time equals improvement. But something to consider. Lee Palermo, see these names, L-E-P-A-L-E, Le Palermo, Le Palermo. I don't accept people putting their needs aside for me, but I do accept help and appreciate it because I won't put my needs aside, but I help when I can. Right. And that's just like, you can't ask for more than someone's able to give. It's just not, it's not possible, but I had to learn and I, I still have to learn constantly what, what someone's able to give and manage my own expectations about that. No, I don't have that kind of friend. I have my husband now. You're fortunate to have someone. Um, someone said they saw a a ghost behind me. Uh, I'll have to watch that. They said they saw a face in my window. Here's, here's an interesting one. Elizabeth Ken one. I don't have friends. I have a lot of acquaintances. Not everyone is meant for you and never put anything past anyone. Protect your peace. Now some, so I, I, I have a therapist now post cancer. I was given eight therapy sessions as part of my treatment which actually is, I think is really cool. And uh, I kind of talked about this with my therapist um, about friendships and about feeling let down and feeling like um, it's like I've had relationships that haven't been reciprocal. I've given more than I've, I feel like I receive. Um, and, and he sent me, he sent me a email and I want to, Dominique, 
Maybe I'm not supposed to share my... Uh... Yeah. He said, Nicomachean Ethics talks about the types of friendships that one can cultivate in their life. And they break it up into um, three different three different types. The Nicomachean ethics of friendship based on utility. In this first level of friendship, people expect to derive some benefit from each other. According to Aristotle, these are shallow and easily dissolved because individuals are seeking to essentially barter or trade, service, connection, and other useful things. Or rather, it just seems important and essential at the time. But our desires change, and thus, these first-level friendships do not last. The second level is Nicomachean ethics based on pleasure. Relationships where people are attracted to one another because of their appearance, humor, or other extrinsic and pleasant qualities. When we are young, we think that we want to be with another person because they are fun or popular or a good athlete. My daughter is on a school basketball team and so many of the girls are friends as they spend large amounts of time in practice, traveling to games, uh, etc. The joint activity of like-mindedness mind leads to simple friendships based on pleasure. But these second-level friendships can also easily end when the activity or specific quality no longer is attractive or gives the same pleasure as it used to. Uh, yeah, I've been that and when that's particularly difficult when um, uh, maybe you want to continue being with someone that that uh, maybe no longer want, no longer wants to be with you in a friendship. And the third is Nicomachean ethics of friendship based on goodness. This type of friendship emerges when both people see the good in each other. As we get older, we learn about each other's foundational beliefs, moral compass, dedication to issues, commitment to family, social and political outlets, and the desire to help others. We learn about the other person's character. This type of friendship is considered the highest level of brotherly love, according to Aristotle. In this highest level of friendship, there is no desire to get anything or seek any response from the other. Rather, the focus is on what can one do to help the other person and make the other happy? What is good for them? Now, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, man, do I really have anyone in my life like this? Because I feel like even uh, people that I love can feel utilitarian at times. Like I feel like people can kind of slide in and out of these different levels um, and that, that could be me and I am kind of struggling with, um, feeling brotherly love particularly. Like, I, I feel like I crave it more, but I, I don't seem to be getting it. So I might not be giving the right energy to then receive it. Um. Part of that could be because generosity is weird. I thought that giving, 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 things will come back, and they do in a sense. But in some, like it could make someone perceive you as utilitarian. If I'm giving things, if I'm giving my time, money, um, etc., if I'm constantly giving, it, 
and someone likes that aspect, they can see me as utilitarian and we're not able to kind of sync up on brotherly love. And and maybe that's what's been happening. That that kind of seems like that kind of positions me as a victim in a sense. And that's not, that wouldn't be true. That would be a partial truth if, at best. It's, I feel like for brotherly love to fully like kind of mesh, there has to be conflict plus conflict resolution. Like you have to go through shit together and come out the other end. And that's why like people who go to war, they like get really close with their troop. And that's part of the reason I like jujitsu because you're kind of going to battle each day with these people. You're kind of going through conflict. And at the end of it, you're slapping hands and like resolving the conflict. Now, I've moved academies a few times and therefore I haven't been able to kind of um, be in long-term relationships with brotherly love with these people. I I have love for these guys, but um, I don't feel like they particularly show up for me. Oh, well, that's still – that's see, that's me seeing what I can get from them and not uh, are they happy. So I guess I can just keep offering them invitations to stuff and if they don't accept it because they can't, because it won't make them happy or whatever, um, then oh, that's ultimately okay. And then I can just keep inviting, I guess, or keep building a bridge and they can walk over when they need to. And that would be more closely aligned to the brotherly love or that friendship based on goodness. Um, highest level of friendship according to this Nicomachean ethics of friendship. Cool. Maybe one more. Here's some, uh, I'm an Eagle Scout. Bleep blop 420. I'm an Eagle Scout and super involved and an RA in college. Befriend genuine people and start relationships helping someone and you'll meet loyal people. I feel like I just kind of went into that. Yes, that works in theory, but if someone's looking at you as utilitarian, then they'll just maybe accept your help and keep you on that utilitarian level. Um. All right. There is a lot here. And, uh, you know, maybe you go through the comments if, you, if you're interested in hearing more. Um, um, where do I find these two people? It's Angie James commented that. Right? Where do we find them? Hmm. I think it's best to do things that you find the things that you genuinely want to do and show up for those things, serving yourself first and your community will like, you'll naturally attract the community, um, by doing like by putting yourself in the position to be the best you can. So putting yourself into a situation where you enjoy yourself, you're more likely to attract people that enjoy you. They'll see you in your best light. 
So find, find the things that you like to do. Show up for those, be it Zoom or in person. I think we're getting back to in-person stuff now. Show up for those things. Enjoy doing that yourself. And then, you know, people start to see a familiar face. They start to build trust. You start having conversations, maybe not asking for anything. But then eventually you, you shoot your, your friendship shot. Hey, you want to grab coffee? Hey, you hungry? Let's go get something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now you're rolling. Then you call them on the weekends. Hey, you want to do something? You know, you start meeting up outside of the activity that you met at. I think that's a good way. So, so like do the things that you like to do and then uh, the community will follow because there's probably already a community established in the things that you like to do. Very cool. I liked this one. This was like a pretty seamless episode. Um, and the only reason I'm stopping is because my computer's at low battery. I need a USB-C adapter so I can plug in multiple things at once more than just two. That's the truth behind the operation if you're interested. But you're not, and that's okay. Thank you all so much if you made it this far. I love you very much. Um, thanks for tuning in. I, I really hope there's some value here uh, for you. I look forward to watching this episode again on a rainy day myself um, and, and learning these, remembering these lessons. Thank you so much. Love you. Bye.